Welcome to another episode of Energy Talks. I'm journalist Markham Hislop. This podcast is all about interesting conversations with energy and climate experts from around the world. And don't forget to follow us on social media, on Twitter, at E-N-E-R-G-I Media, and my personal handle, at PoliticalHam, on Facebook, facebook.com slash energymedia. Energy.media is our website, where you'll find Markham and Energy columns, news stories and op-eds, and the Energy Student Resources Portal, a wiki-style collection of our work that's free for high school teachers and university professors to use in their classrooms. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. If you pay attention to economic and energy policy, you're going to be hearing a new a phrase more frequently in 2023, and that is industrial strategy and policy. It's a particular, it's a almost a revitalization of an approach that was common prior to 1980 and is enjoying a renaissance in most particularly and most famously in the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act. So I'm going to talk to Professor Bentley Allen, uh, who is an assistant professor of political science and affiliate of the Environment, Energy, Sustainability and Health Institute at Johns Hopkins University. So welcome to the interview, Bentley. Thank you, Mark. It's great to be back on the show. Now, we're going to be talking about industrial strategy and policy in Alberta specifically, but let's spend a little time defining what those terms mean. Could you give us a brief overview of industrial strategy and policy? Yeah, sure. So um, industrial policy uh, is really any set of tools that would be used to intentionally bolster a specific industry. So it's often thought of in terms of its 19th century variants, which really had a lot to do with um, you know, building the classical, uh, you know, steel and chemicals and oil and gas industries uh, in the West. Um, but also in the 20th century, you know, Japan and South Korea and then later China all had concerted industrial policies. And many of those were, were centralized uh, and top down uh, policies where, you know, trade and protectionist measures were heavily used. And people tend to conflate industrial policy with that particular set. But industrial policy properly construed is any intentional set of measures designed to bolster one industry over another. Um, and in fact, over the last 20 years or so, countries have really been using more modern forms of industrial strategy, which make use of um, you know, market-based tools, uh, you know, different kinds of trade measures that aren't protectionist, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really a great variety now of different kinds of industrial policy that we see in the world. And these uh, industrial policies are increasingly being used in the climate space to bolster the kinds of targeted innovation that we need in order to achieve decarbonization goals while uh, bolstering economic prosperity and economic development objectives. Now, Bentley, I've argued in columns that the in the last year or two, we've seen a significant change in the energy, uh, the global energy system and economic policy. Basically, the, the, my hypothesis is that the energy transition was already accelerating prior to the COVID pandemic, but that shock followed by the energy shock and the crisis created by Russia's invasion of Ukraine really accelerated the energy transition such that it triggered the beginning of an economic transformation globally, where now, especially Europe and the United States, uh, North America, are trying to build clean energy industrial clusters and their supply chains. Is that a fair take on this? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, my own um, version of the history 
industry would start in the 1990s when China launched concerted industrial strategies for wind and solar, which were intentionally designed for China to upgrade its economy, which is to say to move from being, you know, a low value added manufacturer of goods to being a high value added uh, producer and processor of materials, chemicals, um, et cetera, and to move from low technology manufacturing to high technology manufacturing. And it did so very intentionally and very successfully. And in doing so, it stole market share from Germany and the United States, which immediately designed responses in the 2000s. And you can actually think of the 2008 bill in the United States, which included you know, billions of dollars for clean energy measures as being the first round of the American industrial strategy response, although it wasn't talked about it in such terms. Although they did use the term Green New Deal at that time and use lots of industrial policy kind of themes, although the language wasn't was still not really being used. Um, so I would trace the, the history all the way back to that. And I would say that we're really still like working out the implications of those early responses to Chinese industrial policy. And uh, that's that's basically what we're in the middle of. And then I would say one more thing, which is that the, the Inflation Reduction Act is a really intense multiplying force on all the factors that you mentioned as well. And you can see Europe kind of scrambling to figure out where their firms fit into the global supply chains now that the IRA uh, has laid down a marker globally. And you're starting to see, of course, there's a strong response in Canada as well, trying to figure out what the IRA means for Canada and how we're going to remain competitive when our largest neighbor is providing you know, insane levels of subsidies in a variety of areas. So let's talk about some specifics because uh, Alberta is the epicenter of the uh, Canadian oil and gas industry. It's got a big petrochemical cluster. It's uh, got a fair amount of uh, wind and solar, actually. It's a, the leader in Canada in the renewable energy. So there, now there's talk of promoting uh, new industries like hydrogen production, beginning with blue hydrogen from natural gas, transitioning to green hydrogen from using electrolyzers, water, and, and clean electricity. Is the Alberta government, is Alberta industry taking a strategic an, uh, approach to industrial cluster development, or is this kind of the old willy-nilly approach that we're accustomed to from Canadian governments? Yeah, I don't think that the, that the Alberta government has a concerted industrial strategy um, for the clean energy technologies. I think it does have a concerted industrial strategy for the oil and gas sector, um, and it has for a very long time. And one of the ironic things when you think about industrial policy in the Canadian context is that, you know, actually we've been doing this for a really long time in mining and in oil and gas and in forestry. Um, but the minute you start to talk about it in, in clean energy technology, well, it's like, well, we don't we don't do industrial strategy. I mean, of course we do. We have. Um, and in fact, the irony is that places like Alberta, which have strong resource sectors, uh, are actually the most well-suited jurisdictions for employing industrial strategy today. Uh, as a result of that legacy. So if you think of the oil sands itself, um, Sarah Hastings Simon has a really excellent report discussing how uh, Aostra, which was a real a crown corporation, um, you know, owned by the owned by the Alberta government, but was really a public-private partnership. It was a partnership between the oil firms uh, and uh, the, the Alberta government and the federal government was involved as well uh, to really unlock the value that was in the oil sands by deploying technologies that were coming out of the universities of the time and in innovation policy, this is known as a triple helix strategy, where you try to bring together industry, government, and uh, academia in order to develop an innovative approach to, to industrial development. And that's exactly what AOSTRA 
represented. It was a public de-risking of a new technology, which the private sector then benefited from and which Alberta continues to uh, benefit from, uh, certainly economically, if not environmentally. Uh, so Alberta has an industrial strategy, but not a concerted one in the new areas. Now that said, there are two, there are two kind of bright lights and I'll, I'll just mention them and, and then uh, allow you to, to dive deeper as needed. Um, I mean, the first is emissions reductions, Alberta, their technology roadmap to me is, you know, kind of sketch of exactly what you want a publicly funded institution to be doing, which is laying out focus areas, having a clear sense of what the innovation pipeline looks like and making targeted and strategic investments in those focus areas in order to unlock value for the province as a whole. So emissions reduction, Alberta is an excellent institution from an industrial policy perspective. Um, and the second is, um, uh, the, the Edmonton Hydrogen Hub, which is really bringing together uh, independent expertise, uh, industry and governments together to create a strategic plan for how to build the entire value chain for hydrogen. And it's a really excellent example of what we need in the clean energy transition, because in old industrial strategy, you're trying to catch up to other members of an existing supply chain. But in new industrial strategy, in net zero industrial strategy, you're trying to catalyze the creation of an entirely new market, which means you need to bring supply and demand online at the exact same time. And that takes concerted effort that is often best conducted by independent intermediaries, um, such as the Transition Accelerator, which, uh, which of course I'm a research director there, um, but is also uh, the, the convener of the, of the Edmonton Hydrogen Hub. And I'm very proud of their work. So, if I understand this correctly, Bentley, the the uh, Edmonton Regional Hydrogen Hub and Emissions Reduction Alberta, which is a provincial agency, are doing good work in their respective fields. That's but right. this this didn't come from necessarily from industry writ large. It didn't come from the it, there wasn't a the Alberta government didn't adopt an industrial strategy uh, approach and then go out and, and strategically look at the areas where within the economy where clean energy industry could be stimulated and then their supply chains and all, all of that. Uh, these are just two isolated incident or, uh, situations that are good examples uh, and that maybe could be replicated, but that conversation isn't taking place in Alberta yet. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's right. I mean, to scale back up a few thousand feet, you know, what I would say, what are the key components of an industrial strategy? Number one is, you know, a clear strategy, which is to say a clear vision, which is to say, usually quantitative targets, quantitative economic targets. So we need to know exactly what it is that we're trying to achieve in South Korean industrial strategy. There were export targets and each of the sectors was tasked with meeting those export targets. They had to do that in order to receive the kinds of government support that they were that they were getting, just as an example. You know, in the UK, the wind industrial strategy has a deployment target. We have to deploy so many gigawatts of wind by 2030. Um, so targets is number one. The second is mechanisms of collaboration. Uh, and that's what I see the accelerator doing in the hydrogen hub. It's really putting together the kinds of collaboration that you need. And they're feathering in the kinds of deep analytics that you need in order to make sure that that collaboration is achieving its vision. And so I think that part of what the accelerator is doing there is really providing targets and the collaboration that you would need in that one sector, right? You know, um, and the third piece of, of an industrial policy would be alignment of the policies and the funds that exist. So you wanna take all the public money, you wanna take all the public policies that are impinging on each of the individual sectors that you wanna do, uh, and you have to make sure that they're aligned and coordinated. And then you would have these individual three element structures in a variety of sectors. And then the big industrial strategy would be the coordinating 
and the aligning of multiple sectoral strategies. So we've got TA basically cobbling together a sectoral strategy within hydrogen itself, ERA, which is providing public funding to one aspect of the innovation development pipeline across sectors. There's still a lot of other elements of a full industrial strategy that would need to be put together in order for uh, Alberta to have what we would call a concerted overarching uh, industrial strategy. So it makes sense to me when I'm looking at the energy uh, industry in Alberta, uh, yeah. it has real serious competitive advantages. It's got low cost hydrogen, uh, sorry, hydrocarbon feedstock, which could yeah. be uh, could be conventional oil, could be natural gas, uh, but it could be bitumen. And bitch, the Alberta Innovates, another provincial agency, is now a couple of years away from having a process that will take bitumen and turn it into carbon fiber precursor. Mm -hmm. And that could be the foundation for a, a, an advanced materials uh, industry in Alberta if there was an industrial strategy approach taken, industrial policy put in place, the collaboration, all the things that you're talking about, that's there's a real opportunity there. And instead, the government uh, so far is, you know, it's just a very piecemeal kind of kind of approach to this. Is that a good example of where we're failing, but where there's tremendous opportunity if Alberta really was serious about industrial policy? Yeah, again, I think that part of what you're you're suggesting with the with the bitumen to fiber example is again that you you you're trying to build a nascent market around a product. So you're trying to make the product work at the same time as you're finding downstream markets. And and that's sort of a classic chicken and egg problem that that exists across net zero industries. And it's one that again needs coordination, alignment, and and kind of energy in order to to do. And so yes, there are a variety of these sectoral opportunities in Alberta and in other places uh, that that need this kind of attention, they need this kind of careful, careful strategizing in order to, to lift these things into market. Because if they fail to make it to market, it won't necessarily be because it wasn't a profitable or a good idea, but simply because um, it never got to the to the level necessary to, to achieve economies of scale or the downstream market was never created in the right way at the right time. Um, there are all kinds of, you know, history is kind of littered with these, you know, potentially possible beneficial inventions that just never took off. I mean, solar, for example, was invented in the 70s and we kind of puttered away at it for two decades before we uh, before we really started to build a market for it. Um, technologies, uh, you know, sort of develop in fits and starts like that. And we don't want to be leaving too many of them uh, that could be reducing uh, emissions uh, across our economies uh, while making the best use of cheap feedstock, as Alberta certainly uh, has a lot of. Um, uh, you know, we don't want to be leaving those technologies on, on the cutting room floor uh, just because we couldn't get our act together to, to coordinate around them. And it seems to me that that even if you take an industrial strategy approach to, and let's continue with the example of the advanced uh, materials industry, yeah, uh, you it's not just enough to focus on the advanced materials industry because anytime you build a factory these days, uh, one of the first things that the company will look for, the manufacturer will look for, is clean electricity. And That's Alberta right. has that, the potential in wind and solar in abundance, but there's no uh, there's no provincial uh, clean electricity strategy. It just kind of the market works and provides as much as is required and and uh, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. And it seems to me that that other sectors have to be brought in, in this case, electricity into an advanced materials strategy to make all of that work. And as long as they're left out, uh, outside of the process, 
then it's not going to be as successful as it could be. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So you, uh, the way I think about clean electricity and also critical minerals and green transportation corridors is that these are what I what I think of as being like they're the, they're the infrastructure of a green economy. So they are these inputs that will help all of your downstream opportunities. Your downstream opportunities should all be linked to coherent markets that you think are going to grow large addressable markets. Um, and so, you know, in the overarching vision of industrial strategy that I have, uh, yeah, those are kind of up at the top. They're these critical inputs, and then they feed these downstream sectors producing cheap inputs that everybody will benefit from. And certainly at that integrative stage uh, where you've taken your sectoral strategies and you start to think about how they depend on one another, thinking about how many calories you need in each of these downstream sectors and therefore setting an electricity target as a key component of, of meeting that downstream demand, that's, that's really going to be uh, absolutely critical. And Alberta is really interesting in that regard because one of the central barriers to actually deploying clean electricity in Canada has been that the utilities uh, and the, the provincial operators, they just haven't had the motivation because th their job is basically to provide stable, reliable, cheap power to their consumers. And they haven't wanted to take risks on, on, um, uh, you know, on, on, on renewables and on new forms of power. But in Alberta, you can do behind the fence power on a, on a purchase power agreement. And that's why I think Alberta is, is really leading the country in renewables deployment, because that downstream demand for clean electrons is there. And if the electricity monopolies are not providing that good to the market, uh, then in places like Alberta, where you can get behind the fence, well, it's going to get built. And, and Alberta is the fastest growing uh, jurisdiction for renewables in the country as a result on the back of their very, very strong uh, solar and wind uh, resources, kind of natural endowment that they have. But also the regulatory picture there is different than it is in other provinces. And therefore, we're seeing that build out rapidly. Now, to, to tie a bow around this conversation, Bentley, uh, I, so we're, we're in agreement. The Alberta has uh, a lot of the key ingredients uh, to build uh, this clean energy industry, uh, whether it be advanced materials or hydrogen, whatever it might be, they've, mm -hmm. and they've got lots of competitive advantages, but they would Alberta would really benefit from having industrial strategy uh, supported by industrial policy. Who has to take the lead here? Where does leadership well, come from? Well, it has to be a collaboration. So the, the government absolutely has to, do their part, right? They have to lay down targets and lay out a vision and make it clear to the private sector where uh, where we're going, what it is that we're going to be accomplishing. Um, and once they start to make that clear, then they need to set up the kinds of forums that allow industry to actually collaborate creatively with the government and with each other in order to do that. But industry has to step up too. They have to take the long view. They have to take a far-reaching view of what we're doing and they have to have a team Alberta approach. They have to realize that if they build the ecosystems together, they'll all come out stronger rather than competing with one another and holding their cards uh, and, uh, too closely so that you can actually collaborate uh, and, and build the assets that would actually benefit everybody. So uh, you need government to kind of step up and take the lead and say, this is what we're doing, but you can't do it without good industry participation. The absolute essential piece of good industrial policy is catalyzing really good information flows between the government and the private sector. And actually the best way to do that uh, in the literature and in the academic literature on industrial strategy is to use what we call independent intermediaries, which is these third party organizations, whether they're public private partnerships like IOSTRA or, or maybe an independent crown corp that doesn't get messed with too much by their minister like ERA, or you know, an independent organization altogether like the Transition Accelerator, which can step in, provide independent expertise. They're not being paid to say some things or, or do the math in particular ways rather than others. 
um, but also to provide that space where both the government can share information a little bit confidentially and industry can share information a little bit confidentially because industry is not going to tell its regulator everything that it that it would need to know in order to create a good strategy. Um, and the government's not going to tell industry everything that it needs to know when it's got regulations to design and when it's got targets to sort of lay out. And it sort of really helps to have these actors in the middle that can that can um, that can mediate between the two sides. So the government needs to step up, set, lay down the marker. Industry needs to come, take a long term view uh, and independent expertise needs to be involved in order to make sure that the strategy makes sense. And just one final point, uh, you know, we've heard for decades now, I, I think of, you know, I'm old enough to have been around when when the Chicago, uh, Milton Friedman and the Chicago School were yeah. dominating, you know, just economic policy discussions in the 1970s. It was markets, markets, markets. And mm -hmm. so we, we've, we've, we've gone in that direction. And it's still, uh, I hear this in Alberta all the time, you know, markets, 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 government should just stay out of it and let markets do the, you know, let pro the private sector, let capital uh, do it. But it seems like now in this new approach and is, is being undertaken by our competitors, so we have to step up uh, and keep pace with our, our competitors, is you need these institutional frameworks to have conversations. If you can't, and it, and, and it sounds like the, the Edmonton Regional Hydrogen Hub is like, I, I think of it as a framework, an institution within which those conversations and that collaboration can take place. And government has to play a key role in establishing those institutions. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, although the government didn't establish the hub and it works pretty well. I mean, um, you know, the accelerator launched the hub and convinced everybody to do it. So it's not the case that they have to do it. The government does have to come to the table and say, and show everybody that they're committed to it. And there's lots of different ways to demonstrate that commitment, right? Uh, big public investments uh, that um, that come out of the, the collaboration. Um, but I think that set, setting targets and being committed to those targets and backing those targets with policies and funds. Uh, that's what the government needs to do. But it's not your grandfather's uh, industrial policy in the sense that we don't need the government to be coming in and, and making a really highly detailed plan and sticking to it no matter what. Right? It needs to be flexible. It needs to be adaptive. It needs to be highly informed by what experts in industry say is possible uh, and desirable from, from a thermodynamic perspective, from an economic perspective, from a social perspective. Um, uh, all of those things need to be considered and the government needs to be open and receptive to all of that. And it doesn't need to use a heavy hand. It needs to, uh, yeah, just play, play a coordinated role, but it has to actually provide that vision and that, and that big picture in order to, to catalyze the action uh, from the get-go. Right. And it was the big, uh, the big picture vision that I was actually thinking about right, rather right. than the, the detailed plan and the heavy hand, but That's nevertheless, right, yeah. good, good. So good point. Uh, Bentley, always a pleasure. Thank you very much for this. Likewise, Michael. Great to be here.